you are listening to Seattle Growth Podcast and Radio Show. You are listening to Seattle Growth Podcast and Radio Show. That's the voice of Tekla Waterfield, a musician who appears in next week's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast and Radio Show. I'm Jeff Shulman, a professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business. And this season of Seattle Growth Podcast and Radio Show is bringing you broad perspectives on whether the city will continue to be a desirable place to live, to work, and to do business. Last week, you heard from Pete Nordstrom, the president of the iconic retailer that carries his family name. In terms of us having a, a physical store in the downtown Seattle area, I mean, again, my presumption is this is a, a healthy community, with a diverse community with that's got money and all that stuff, got a lot going for it. So I, I think there's a place for a successful store, but it, it's, it's, it's not going to be as successful as it should be unless people feel safe and feel comfortable being there. And right now, that's a little dicey. In this week's episode, we get further perspective on downtown from the president and CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association, John Scholes. I believe that there's a fundamental desire that we have to to, to be together, to, to create together, to experience city life and urban life together, to experience art and culture, uh, the history of our city um, together. And uh, I think things will, will change. And you will also hear from Jess Darnell Henton, an entrepreneur and community advocate in the Central District who starred in the documentary On the Brink. Now I can see a light at the end of the tunnel and I'm not carrying the light. I'm going towards the future, and the future means that these young people actually are thinking about what's going to happen for them for the next go-round, what's, the, what's their contribution, you know, what they can take from our legacy of my generation and move forward. I was able to conduct safe, socially distanced interviews thanks to the kind folks at KBFG Radio. Combined, these interviews give you distinct perspectives on how people are navigating the pandemic and what the future holds for Seattle. It's also a chance to meet people who make Seattle the city that it is. Now, join me as I have a conversation with John Scholes. I am here with John Scholes, president and CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association and three-time guest on Seattle Growth Podcast. John, thank you for joining me today. Third visit with you? Wow, that's great. Third visit. Yeah, yeah thanks for your generosity and your time yeah, uh, yet good again. To be back. Good to be on campus. So for those who didn't listen to those first two episodes, do you mind just telling me a little bit about yourself and the Downtown Seattle Association? Yeah, I have the great privilege of leading an organization founded in 1958 that, uh, whose mission is to create a healthy, vibrant downtown and bring together anybody who has an interest in investment and a, and a real deep passion for the heart of our city uh, to advocate for public policy and investment. Uh, and we also provide a lot of direct services in the downtown from daily cleaning, managing two parks. We operate a homeless outreach team um, and... Uh, invest in marketing events promotion so a real wide range of activities all aligned around the mission of creating a healthy vibrant urban core and the pandemic has affected us all but has also affected downtown in particular i'm curious if you could share a little bit about how you're coping with the pandemic either personally or professionally or both yeah it's been devastating for for downtown seattle and downtowns in general i mean downtowns are all about bringing people together to to work to to play, to innovate, to, to celebrate, uh, to protest. And uh, when, you know, 
public health is, is asking folks to really keep their distance, it really conflicts with the core purpose of a downtown. And, and so downtown Seattle, like downtowns across the country, have just been uh, hit hard by this economically. And, and downtown Seattle was really the first downtown in the country to feel the economic effects since we had the first cases of the coronavirus here in King County. Uh, it really started in March. March 5th was when tens of thousands of folks started to work from home in downtown. And you can immediately see uh, how quiet the sidewalks got, how quiet the restaurants and retail and lobbies of hotels got. And then we saw cancellations of of meetings and events and, and conventions. So it, it's been a difficult uh, nine months. Um, and uh, I, I think part of the way I part of the way I'm coping is just acknowledging uh, the how hard this is. And I say it from a place of a lot of privilege. And, and this has been hard in, in, in many ways, uh, much harder for a lot of folks in our uh, community than it has been for me personally. I, I still have a job. My kids are getting a somewhat decent remote education and uh, I and they have been been healthy. And that's not the case for thousands of people around Seattle and around King County. But it's not easy for anybody. It's hard for, uh, you know, it's it's harder for others. But I think this is just hard. And I think as people, as professionals and in, in our work environments, families, we just got to acknowledge what we're dealing with is, is not easy. And then uh, and just not understanding we're not alone either. I mean, I've connected a lot with peers around the country um, that lead downtown organizations and uh, and just sharing notes and experiences and lessons learned and reminding myself like hey we're, we're not in this alone and I, and I think that's true on a personal level too of you know parents connecting with one another if you got kids at home that you're trying to get uh, you know educate and support the remote schooling while you're working you're not alone there if you've got parents that are vulnerable and you're debating whether to go see them or not or how you see them you're not alone so uh, I think that's really important. And then just reminding ourselves, like, we will get through this. This this will end, this pandemic. Um, there'll be another side of this. And uh, so that's generally how I've been coping personally and professionally. It's a hard question because you're in Seattle, but are there aspects of what you've seen here in Seattle that you feel is making going through these trying times a little bit better? Well, certainly our response as a community, as individuals to public health recommendations and guidance. I mean, we've been one of the best performing urban areas in the country when it comes to controlling the spread of the of the virus and that remains true today even as we see a significant increase in cases as well as hospitalizations around the country you know we've seen a, a, a slight uptick in recent weeks here in the number of cases but we're, we're not seeing an increase in hospitalizations and that's really been true since may so i think we've responded in in ways that have been difficult for other parts of the country for a variety of reasons I think we put a lot of trust and faith in our public health leadership, and we've got great public health leadership in, in this region. And, and I remember saying to our team the, the first Monday in March when this became a reality that, you know, I'm, I'm not glad we're going through this, but I'm glad I'm here and that we've got the leadership and resources and, and uh, expertise that we do here in the Northwest. And on the negative side, is there anything that's happening here in Seattle that is making uh, navigating through the pandemic, either professionally or personally, more difficult? I, I don't think that we've um, really taken that spirit of, of collaboration that was demonstrated between the public and private sector in, in controlling the spread of the, the virus in the in the spring and early summer and, and applied it now to some of the, the real challenges that are either new or more pronounced because of the pandemic, whether it's homelessness or the important conversation about reimagining policing. I think there's just a lot of divisiveness between the private and public sector and within the public sector, the council and the mayor. And, and, and I, 
I think that is going to hold us back as a as a city and region from really making important progress on these issues. And uh, and so I think we need to be more inclusive. We need to be sitting down at virtual tables with one another. We need to be listening to voices that you know haven't always been at the at the table and going to their table if we're invited. Um, and coming together as a city around a, a really incredibly complex and challenging set of issues of systemic racism, policing, community safety, uh, unsheltered homeless, uh, unsheltered individuals uh, in our community and, and the homeless problem we, we see. So I think we could do much better there as a community. And we're going to talk about some of the changes you've seen in these last nine months and also the outlook for downtown Seattle. But first, an innovation this year is trivia. So I'm going to put you on the spot, if you don't mind, and see if you and the listener can guess or know, when did Washington become a state? Oh, dear. When did we become a state? I want to say 1889. All right. So he says 1889. The listener will be forming their guess at home, and uh, I will keep us all on the edge of our seats. I was a history minor here at the University of Washington. I should know that, but it tells you that I didn't pay enough attention in my college years as I should have. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe you got it right. We'll just have yeah. to wait and see. And perhaps uh, you just need the confidence uh, <laughs> to, in that history minor. So next, I want to turn gears to the changes in Seattle. You've been on this podcast twice now, and we've talked about the changes in, in you know, the last 10 years has just been a lot of construction, a lot of money and people moving in. But the last nine months feels like a, a kind of different transition. And I'm curious, what changes in these last nine months have you seen that are impacting you most positively? I think in some ways, the approach we've taken to helping people that are homeless, particularly those that were in congregate shelters, uh, you know, packed in with bunk beds in one room, which was a really unsafe environment in a pandemic, the, the changes we've made to uh, connect those folks to uh, living arrangements where they've got a single room in hotels and motels has, has been a, a really significant uh, and beneficial um, outcome of, of this pandemic and credit to the, the county and the city and, and groups like the Downtown Emergency uh, Service Center, DESC, for, for doing that. And it's proved to have great outcomes for the people now living in, in, a, in a single room with a door and their own bed and um, their own sink versus in a bunk bed with 300 other people in one big room um, and for the staff that are serving them. So uh, I'm grateful that the, the county and the city are looking at how to scale that model. I think we need to move quickly in that regard. On the flip side, are there any changes in the last nine months that are impacting you negatively? Uh, certainly just the, the closure of, the permanent closure of so many small businesses. We've already seen in downtown Seattle more than 130 brick and mortar locations uh, close their doors permanently. Uh, and, and that's just devastating. And, and those are those are spaces and vacancies that are not going to just pop back open as something else. Eventually they will. And there are opportunities now for other folks with creative ideas to, to come in um, into those spaces. But uh, that just has a devastating impact on a, on a community. I mean, those are your flower shops and coffee shops and the barber and, and, and you know, and the folks that work there and, and their stories and the history and their, longevity in many cases of decades in in a neighborhood that uh that they're they're not there anymore and, and that's not just downtown but in other parts of the city as well and, and i fear if we don't see some additional federal aid like what we saw back in the spring or we don't have more people 
working downtown than than are today, we're unfortunately going to see more closures because the, these businesses are really operating on thin margins. They don't have the same customer base they used to, and those folks who work downtown, you know, 350,000 people every day before the pandemic, are really important to hundreds of other small businesses and thousands of employees. Do you have any requests of the listener? Anything that you would like to ask the listener to help us build a better future for Seattle or downtown in particular? I would say come downtown. There's lots that's open. You know, the Seattle Art Museum, the Space Needle, the market, and and they're not full of tourists right now. So they're sort of, you know, these are your local treasures that maybe you don't get to as often because they become so popular with out-of-town visitors. Um, but they're really our local assets. And, you know, there's plenty of restaurants uh, in downtown and, and retail that's open as well. They, they need your they need your support and then share your experience on social media. There's plenty of folks from other parts of the country telling uh, everybody what's going on in Seattle and, and, and with, with sometimes a lot of misinformation in there. So help us tell the story of, of the things that are open, the stories of folks who've, who've reopened their doors, invited their customers back and are employing people uh, and then take advantage of those and help share those stories out. And if you employ people downtown, I'd encourage you to think about how can you get a few of those folks back in the office if you haven't done so already to you know follow the guidelines of public health um, and 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 follow the protocols but look at look for ways to bring some folks back that are able to come back that you know don't have kids at home perhaps or aren't in a vulnerable population but uh, that's really helpful to stabilizing the downtown economy and those small businesses those arts organizations and others that depend on folks being on the streets Monday through Friday. So let's talk about what we see, whether people are going to return to downtown. What is your outlook for the future? You know, we've had... Uh, I, I think we have to remember that, you know, every pandemic since the history of time has impacted cities. And and over the course of thousands and of years, and uh, certainly the last several decades, and after the 1918 pandemic, cities emerged stronger. And so I, I believe that there's a fundamental desire that we have to, to, to be together, to, to create together, to experience city life and urban life together, to experience art and culture, uh, the history of our city um, together. And uh, I think things will, will change. And I think the flexibility of work that, you know, we've some of us have gotten more used to over these last nine months, I think that will persist. But I, I don't think we all stay in our kitchens behind Zoom all day as our primary way of working and creating and, and innovating. I think the office will still be the office and maybe it is positioned and utilized differently than, than before. But, but I think the future is bright for our cities because I think fundamentally we're human social creatures that want to be uh, together. I, th I think we'd all rather be at a Seahawks game than watching it on at home on TV with an empty stadium. I think we'd rather see live music uh, at the symphony than consume some of the great virtual programming that they've been putting on. Uh, I think we want to share those experiences with, with others, and that's what cities and downtowns in particular are about. But I think this is going to be a several-year climb back to sort of where we were. Um, and I think there may be things that are different, particularly the ground floor and how we think about retail. And do we have smaller spaces instead of lots of big spaces, smaller spaces for, um, you know, entrepreneurs and others that don't have a lot of capital that can come in with lower rents and lower startup costs? I think that that's an opportunity, perhaps. Um, and, and that could mean great things for our downtown of having lots more businesses that weren't there before, lots more options and variety. That's what downtowns are really about. So 
Are there any trends that you're seeing? I know you, Downtown Seattle Association collects and disseminates a lot of data. Are there any trends that you're seeing that are maybe worrisome? Well, most employers are that can work from home, and we think it's about 70% of the jobs in downtown can be performed remotely. They're continuing to do so. And and I, I don't blame them for that. I think that in some ways the guidance from public health has been somewhat confusing on on this point because the guidelines do allow you to uh, operate as a professional services firm up to a certain amount of capacity in your office. Um, but we're also communicating, or the public health is communicating to work from home until there's a vaccine. So there's some conflicting information there, which isn't true for some of the other things we've opened. Restaurants are open, but we're not telling people just to get takeout. We're, we're saying restaurants are open and here's what they have to do to be safe and keep you healthy. Here's what you have to do as a, as a patron. And I think we need to take a similar tack there with with the office environment because it's so important to small business and other other organizations um, and entities in the in the downtown. We, we do not have an, an economy that's built to work remotely. Our economy is is not built that way, frankly. There's certain jobs that can be performed remotely, but when you look at the totality of it, there's there's great cost to the, the way that we are working now. And I think we need to be mindful of what those impacts and costs are to small business and others and look for ways between now and when we get a vaccine where we can bring more folks back safely. And are there any other trends in the data that are worrisome before we get to the trends in the data that are giving you some optimism? Uh, I think just the, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the the situation with small businesses and the lifeline, the short lifeline that they believe they have without some additional federal intervention. Uh, the Many of them are getting to the edge of the cliff here and, and they need a they need a lifeline along the lines of what was provided back in the spring from the feds. And, and that's, you know, they're, they're feeling that and, and certain industries, certainly the hospitality industry in the real likelihood of, of significant permanent layoffs by the end of the year without some aid. And now let's talk positive. Is there anything that you're seeing in the data for downtown Seattle Association that suggests there's some hope even in this short run a couple of years from now? Well, I think some early research is showing the value of the office to culture and engagement and, and productivity. I think we're seeing some numbers now um, that that a full virtual work uh, arrangement has has impacts on on culture and employee engagement and, and productivity. Google is, was out recently with some information on the productivity of their coders, but in particular the the new coders to to the company, the folks just coming on board and, and impacts to their to their work. Uh, Slack has put out some information and research as well regarding employees feeling less engaged. Uh, so I, I think all of this suggests that, you know, the, the office is not going anywhere and there's real value to being able to to gather and convene with your colleagues um, in in an urban environment. And I think we certainly see that young people they don't want to be in their bedrooms all day. They want to be around their colleagues and friends um, and, and learning from them and learning from more senior people in the organization. And, uh, and that's what a downtown environment provides, that, that kind of opportunity. You waited patiently for the answer to the trivia question, and you doubted your history minor, but it came through when it needed it most. 1889 was correct. It must uh, be because I'm standing here on campus and it just through osmosis. And That's right. You absorbed. <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, I want to give you a chance for concluding thoughts. Uh, but first, is there anything else that's happening in downtown 
that you would like to communicate to the listener who maybe hasn't been there in nine months? Yeah, I mean, we had historic investments going on before this pandemic that are continuing. So, you know, a billion dollar remake of the central waterfront. And so if you haven't been downtown recently, you know, go down to the waterfront. You'll see there's no viaduct there. The, the new surface street, Alaskan Way is being built which then will lead to the new promenade and overlook connection up to the market. So an amazing amount of construction on a project that, you know, has been talked about for 20 years. It's just around the corner. I mean, that is happening right now. And a couple of years from now that that will open. Uh, the arena at Seattle Center is going to be one of the top five arenas in the country for entertainment, concert, certainly hockey. And we hope uh, the NBA and the and the storm as well is uh as uh, as they continue their dynasty so that that is you know another significant investment that has has been occurring in our downtown and i think a real bright spot improvements to the monorail uh expansion of light rail i mean these were historic investments that that continue um and and they're going to be delivered you know not 10 years from now but just a couple of years from now any concluding thoughts the thousands of people in our community and millions across the country that have taken to the streets with their grief and anger and hurt over uh, not just the murder of George Floyd and unjust policing, but really the oppression in our country and systemic racism that's gone on for hundreds of years. Um, you know, this is an this is an issue, frankly, as an organization that has not been one of our strengths around diversity, equity, and inclusion, and and looking within our mission of how we address systemic racism. But I see great opportunity just in our in our own work as an organization and in the, in the work we're doing on that front, but also uh, with companies across Seattle, some that have um, been leaders on this and others that are just starting uh, their journey. Uh, and, and not just to take, not just to think of this as a moment, but to think of it as, as a mission uh, and to make a real difference and to be leaders in the private sector and in the nonprofit sector in our community in addressing systemic racism in, in the course of our business practices or in the pursuit of our mission if we're a nonprofit, we all have a role to play in uh, in upending systemic racism in, in our community and in our country so uh, i think there's great opportunity for for downtown and to really rebuild a downtown where everybody feels welcome and an inclusive place where everybody sees that they've got opportunity and they feel like they belong there john thank you very much for joining me today uh three-time guest on Seattle Growth Podcast. I appreciate your time and perspective. Thanks for having me back. Next up is an interview with an entrepreneur and community advocate in the Central District who starred in the documentary On the Brink. Before we get to the interview, now's a good time to pause this episode and rate Seattle Growth Podcast on Apple Podcasts. A few seconds of your time to leave a five-star review can help make sure your fellow community members in Seattle get to hear diverse perspectives on the changes in Seattle and the city's future. I'm hoping this season gives everyone a chance to hear that they are not alone in the challenges they are experiencing and how they are reacting to them. It is a chance to get an unbiased, unfiltered view of what is happening in our city. Please subscribe in your favorite podcasting app to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Now, to hear a perspective from a Seattle Central District advocate and entrepreneur, join me in my conversation with Jess Darnell Henton. I am here with Jess Darnell Henton, a good friend who I first met interviewing her for the movie On the Brink, but who over time I've gotten to see what a profound impact she's had here in Seattle, uh, working with her mom at uh, Helen's. You know, the number of people I saw have such profound memories, you know, the corn cakes, uh, all the food there. 
So it's a real pleasure to have you on Seattle Growth Podcast. Jess Darnell, or affectionately known as Squirt, thank yes, you sir. so much for joining me today. No problem. Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? I am second generation um, business owner here in Seattle, Washington. I was actually born in Los Angeles, California, but um, moved from LA in 1974 to live and to help my mom in our business at that time was called Helen's, Helen's Diner. And uh, we graduated from Helen's Diner to Helen's Soul Food, uh, to Helen's Soul Kitchen. And so now we are known as Helen's Soul Bistro. Um, I am so elated to still be standing um, throughout this whole journey. This has been a journey. Um, I'm glad to, to to be present to see some of the changes that are happening in our neighborhood and in um, in the in the Seattle area. Period. Um, it is rapidly changing face right now. Some for good, some not so good. But um, I'm happy to be here, and I'm just ecstatic because it's a new horizon. It's a new day for me to look forward to, and so I'm happy. I'm happy right now. I'm happy that I, I've stayed here. I'm hap happy that I grew up here. I came of age here in Seattle. Finished my last year at University of Washington is how I ended up being here, aside from my mom. And um, I raised my, my kids and grandbabies and, you know, extended family here. So proud, proud citizen of Seattle, Washington. So we're gonna talk about some of those changes, but first, this pandemic has been trying for so many people, and I'm curious if you could share a little bit about how you've coped with the pandemic. Um, it has been a, a challenge for my family um, before the pandemic actually manifested itself here in March. I had moved my mom into a group living home which um, we did that for her, her, her well-being and for her safety and not knowing that this pandemic was on its way. Had no knowledge of that in February. But um, I'm so thankful that I did because since she, we moved her there, she has flourished. She's gained weight. She's gotten stronger, healthier, feistier. Um, and so that's been a challenge because I, I, since the pandemic hit, I haven't been able to even touch her. Uh, I can go see her. I can speak with her outside of her um, her, her group home, um, but I can't physically pick her up and take her anywhere. Or, you know, that's been a challenge. Not to be able to go to church, which is a bedrock in my family. That that it's a big hit. Um, been very limited on the family members that I can be with and friends and events that I would love to go and do and be. Uh, right before this whole thing hit, I was on my way back to the stage because I, I sing too. So um, I was on my way back to doing things that I love to do right before this whole thing hit. And I had auditioned for a part in a show and got the part, shut down the show. Um, had auditioned for a, a band, had got the part, set, shut down everything. So it's been a transition. Um, it's also been enlightening because I had to come full circle and learn some more things about myself 
discipline myself in certain areas where I wasn't disciplining myself because I was being busy being busy. So when I stopped being busy, then I had to come to, to an agreement with myself that you might not want to do that right now. So it's been, um, on the one hand, it's been very trying. On the other hand, it's very enlightening. It's been very enlightening. Can you walk us through what was going through your mind as your mother is in a home and the pandemic first hit and was actually most problematic, it seemed at the time, in senior living I, facilities? I was super, super afraid because I didn't know exactly what to um, expect. However, the one big thing that I know that gave me solace that um, she was in a smaller spot with only three, it's only three of them in the home. So she only has, it's four roommates. And um, the people who run it are very, very conscientious and they immediately lock down everything. They immediately sent out um, correspondence to me telling me, this is what we're doing. This is what we expect from you. Um, please adhere to what we're telling you to do. When I was watching all of the bigger um, uh, elderly homes that I could have put her in that, but I, she and I made the decision together not to do that. I was so thankful. I felt so blessed because it's easier for them to contain it in a small circle than it is for a big circle. And if I had to make the sacrifice of not being able to touch her for a while, not being able to take her out or anything for a while, then I was willing to make that sacrifice. N n not the easiest sacrifice, but that's what she relies on me to be that stable for her. So. And so this, this pandemic and not being able to see your loved ones is, is very trying. And uh, I'm curious though, what aspects of going through this difficult time uh, in Seattle? So what aspects of Seattle or the Central District has made going through this pandemic better for you? People in, in, in the CD are, are really paying attention to taking care of each other. Um, even newcomers that have just moved here, it's not a lot of defiance in the CD. It's not a lot of people who just walking around willy-nilly and not thinking about the person that they're standing next to. Going to the grocery store, they're making sure that they're covered. Going to um, get gas in the neighborhood, same thing. I mean, it's just conscientiousness that I'm watching from all of us that they know that this thing is real. It's no joke. I mean, because it attacked me in March because that was the last time I went to my job because I had retired, but I was still working part-time. And um, the last time I was able to, I worked my job, um, I got ill right after they started to shut everything down. And um, my doctor was on it, called me on the phone. I didn't even know that she knew that if I, something was wrong with me, but they called me on the phone, they walked me through it. Um, I was not, so affected that I couldn't breathe or anything. So I didn't, she, they didn't want me to go into a hospital. So they treated me from home. And um, living here at McKinney Manor, all, 
our our management locked down our building immediately and to this day is very vigilant about who goes in and out because we are um, over 65 people that live here and um, it's just been it's been like we've been in a little cocoon but we still support each other you know there's still um, notices out that they'll come and bring us food if we need it um, it's still out that you know if we need a ride someplace we can look for that those kind of things it's just been ramped up a lot and can you talk about is there any aspect of being in seattle that's making this time even worse than it could otherwise be uh, you know for some people they would say it's the weather because we're going into the winter the, the fall and the winter time in seattle and, and seattle is known for its rain and cloudy skies and you know but i i feed off of that because it gives me a time to go inside of myself. Um, on the on one hand, because I do fit off of it, I have to watch that and make myself go out and be around others so that I can get that, that feedback as well. So we're gonna get to the changes in Seattle and how you're reacting to them. Uh, but I'm trying this year uh, trivia to keep the listener engaged and just uh, see what you know and sharing facts about Seattle. Mm -hmm. So in Seattle, just recently had a big anniversary mm -hmm. of the year that it was incorporated as a city. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if you know or could guess what year Seattle was incorporated. Ooh. I know it was 150 years ago, I think. I don't know about the year now. All right. So you say it's 150 years ago from this year, last year? I think it was last ago? year. All right. So your guess is 150 years ago from last year, Seattle was incorporated as a city. We're going to leave listeners waiting for a couple questions more until oh. I get back to the answer. <laughs> okay. Uh, and we'll keep you on the edge of your seat. All right. So before we get to the answer to the trivia question, I'm curious, what changes in Seattle in just the recent months uh, have you noticed that have impacted you personally or professionally in a positive way? The voices of the young, younger generation. That they're actually standing for something. They have come out of their complacency and they are standing for something. Um, some not, not so smart, but they're still in action. And that has impacted me a, a big time positively because they are actually standing and speaking their voice. They're speaking their minds and their hearts. And it took something tragic in this country to motivate that. But at the outcome, they're still asking for their future and how they want to see their future. And what does that mean for you personally? So how does it affect you? It, it affects me that I can, re, I, I, now I can see a light at the end of the tunnel and I'm not carrying the light. I'm going towards the future and the future means that these young people actually are thinking about what's going to happen for them for the next go round. What's, what's their contribution? You know, what they can take from our legacy of my generation and move forward. You know, uh, I had a conversation with my nephew just last weekend and he is very, very on board with making sure that when we are able to go into a brick and mortar, that he's present for the next Helens. Um, even they have gone, he's gone so far as they've gone so far as to reconstitute their kitchen into an industrial kitchen at home. So I'll have a place to go cook. 
you know, that's how much he has been spurred into this next um, part of his of life. And, and that's given me a lot of hope. And now let's switch gears. And any changes in the recent months here in Seattle that have affected you negatively? Yes. The, um, how can I say this? The, the notion that if we take away our police, that somehow is doing a, a, a doing a service to our neighborhood, and it's not. It is not. There's always somebody out here want to do something they ain't got no business. Always. Always. And that's what our police department does. I grew up in a Seattle where the police came to see about us. I came up in a Seattle that when we closed our door at two o'clock in the morning, there was a police car across the street from our business to make sure that my mom or myself or whoever closed that night were, were home safe and our business was locked down safe. I went downtown uh, last, what was it? Last Tuesday, last Monday. I went downtown because I had to do cover a shift for a friend and um, I couldn't believe what I saw downtown. It made my heart break that the businesses that used to be there and the, the, the vibrant life that was downtown is now boarded up and locked down and, and it's because the respect now, I know there's a lot of dialogue that has to be done between the now police and the community leaders. I understand that. But you can't get anywhere if you if you take if you if you're trying to dismantle something and you're not having a, a conversation, you're not trying to come together and have a liaison between each other because they are necessary in this city. They are necessary in our community. I can't tell you how many times since I've lived in this building that I've come downstairs and um, people have gotten their way into our building and vandalized our, our, um, our cars or tried to come into our building and got into the building and went up and down the elevators. If it hadn't been for the police, a lot of that really would have been a bad thing. But we really do need to, to fix that problem. And I mean, if you want to, if we want to reconstitute monies to go to uh, community services, to um, to psychiatric work, to whatever the need is, have the leadership in all areas. You know, I was livid. I was livid when Chief Best left, because that wasn't the right thing to do. So that's affected me very. That, that was I, that pissed me off. <laughs> And I want to switch gears uh, to give you a chance to the listener. Is there anything that you would ask or want to impart upon them? You know, going forward in this time, because we are in such a, a volatile and divisive time right now. Um, you know, kindness and civility goes a long way. It really does. And you're a bigger person sometimes if you bite your tongue but you don't really have to say what you think you want to say, but you, you can keep that opinion to yourself until later, and it'll be an opportune time to present that opinion. But right now, we need to dial it back. We really do need to dial it back.
and we need to be observant of others' feelings and existence and who they are. My experience in life is not your experience in life necessarily, but my position is to listen to your experience, to hear what you have to say and try to empathize and hear that as a human being. And I expect the same thing back, vice versa. You're, you cannot even begin to understand who and what I am in my skin. So now it's time for us to dial it back and listen. Dial it back and find some common ground. Dial it back and know that if you cut me and I cut you, we still bleed red blood, period. And that's that, you know, we cannot get to where we got to go. And I've said this before, if you don't know where you've been. So you have an ask of the listener. I want to now uh, have your voice be heard. What do you think is the future holds for Seattle? We've had a lot of people, a lot of money moving in in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. We talked about that in the documentary on the brink that you starred in. Um, and now what do you think the next 10 years holds? And what do you think the next six months, 10 months hold. You know what my, my, my prayer is, is that all these businesses that I go up into the neighborhood and I see haven't opened since March, a lot of them are not coming back. My thing is, is that I, I, I mean, I, 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 I was so close to just packing up and moving south where I could possibly get you know, opportunity to go into a kitchen, but I'm not gonna give up on the CD. And here's why. It's because all those buildings and all those places that are not gonna be able to come back, that's room for folks who want to start up and do what they can do. To get, to go into those places and revitalize those places. It's gonna be a time when all this is calmed down and they come to whatever resolution or conclusion that they wanna to come to, to for a whatever vaccine or whatever they're going to come up with it that we're going to have to be at the ready to come back and get a hold of our neighborhood again and go back into business that's what i want us to be prepared um i my for me i'm writing it down every day write it down put it in in action do the little things that you can do now so that when it's time to hit the road and start to work then we can do that and be successful and bring this central area back to where it used to be or back to better than it used to be. Do you think that people and money are going to still move in to Seattle in the central district? You like know, it has that's an iffy situation right now because the way that our, our, um, our city council is doing business right now and uh, different things that they're trying to put on the table, you know, taxing people out of the neighborhoods or out of downtown, you know, because if Amazon moves, you know, all that that, that got pumped into Amazon, you know, all that that's downtown that they have built up all that is going to, what what's going to occupy that space? And it's huge. Um, the company that I used to be a service worker in, they have opted to the, that it used to cost them a, a million dollars per floor in the building that they were in. Now they're down to one floor and they have no intention of bringing back people to go back to work 
full-time in those spaces. They're going to work them from home. So in this changing environment, we have to be ready for whatever pops up. And now I'm seeing that we have to be ready to have those things to go online. We have to be ready to, um, to have even the brick and mortar to come back because everybody has to be in a neighborhood somewhere. You got to live somewhere. You got to be able to walk to the place that you want to walk to, you know. So that's, we, we need to concentrate on being ready when it's time for us to go back and go to work at full. I want to give you a chance for concluding thoughts, but first I have to tell you that you were right on the trivia question. Okay. <laughs> right on the nose. Uh, we celebrated a 150 year anniversary mm -hmm. of being incorporated. That was last year in 2019, because mm -hmm. 1869 is when Seattle was incorporated. And you know why I knew that? It's because you sent me to the Mohai <laughs> and also um, uh, Enrique Cerna had contacted me and he and I did a little thing Oh, that's that. right. Yeah. Uh, the Central District mm -hmm. and On the Brink was in a yeah. Seattle Channel special. Exactly. Excellent. Uh, so now it's your turn. Any concluding thoughts? Wow. No, not, I mean, I'm just, I'm happy to still be standing. You know, I'm relatively healthy, you know, maybe a couple of pounds heavier, but, you know, that'll, that'll do its thing too. But I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Um, I'm happy to be able to see you and... Uh, just uh, talk to the people and if it's anything that I can do or say or be of service, I just want to be there to do it. Squirt, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, I appreciate your time and I appreciate your perspective. My pleasure. That is all for today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. Have an opinion to share? Reach out to me on Twitter at Prof Shulman. I enjoy hearing how listeners like you are reacting to the interviews. That's at Prof Shulman on Twitter and I would love to hear your reaction. Still to come on this season of Seattle Growth Podcast are interviews with business leaders, cultural leaders, small business owners, and everyday people who make Seattle what it is. Next week's episode features Husky Hall of Famer Greg Lewis, who leads the Meredith Matthews East Madison YMCA. He discusses the struggle nonprofits are experiencing, but shares a few reasons for optimism. The episode also features musician Tekla Waterfield, who shares how she pivoted when her primary source of income was decimated by the pandemic. I hope you'll join me next week. In the meantime, I'm Jeff Shulman, and I thank you for joining me on this journey on the return of Seattle Growth Podcast and Radio Show.